नमस्ते सो देर आर थ्री क्वेश्चन एक्चुअली दे वुड गेट एंसर टूडे इन एनी केस बट सिंस दे हैव बीन आस्ट आई कैन बिगिन विद दैम सो वन क्वेश्चन इज इट इज इट पॉसिबल टू एस्टेब्लिश पीस एंड हार्मोनी इन द वर्ल्ड थ्रू इंटेग्रल योगा वेल इंटेग्रल योगा इज नॉट एन इंडिविजुअल योगा बाई इट्स वेरी नेचर इट इज ए कलेक्टिव योगा एंड हेंस इफ देर इज ए पॉसिबिलिटी ऑफ पीस एंड हार्मोनी इन द वर्ल्ड इट हैज टू बी थ्रू ए कलेक्टिव योगा देर इज नो अदर वे एनी पाथ विच लीड्स अस वन अवे फ्रॉम द वर्ल्ड कैनॉट ब्रिंग पीस एंड हार्मोनी इन द वर्ल्ड इट्स लॉजिकली नॉट पॉसिबल and any path where there is a pursuit of only individual realization or enlightenment or whatever we may call it it cannot lead to a collective um, establishment of the collective will in humanity so certainly most certainly yes i am just answering in brief because these questions will be covered the word from without representative of the divine is needed as an aid it may be from the past or the more powerful word of the living guru so uh, the question what is the question there is no question attached here uh, well so basically the word is a representative so here it is about the uh, the great scriptures or sometimes it's a mantra sometimes it can be a phrase from someone so when a word is brought down to us from the past it is powerful it contains all the power within itself but over a period of time because one it past you know there is a long period which is elapsed second is that each individual requirement is very different and you know third is that there are many many interpretations and layers that have come across so sometimes it becomes very difficult to use it even the medium may be very different for instance uh, the gita one of the most powerful scriptures you need to know sanskrit not today's sanskrit but the sanskrit of that time one has to put oneself into the state in which arjuna is the gita will tell us everything about everything but supposing i have a problem in my let's say relationship with my teacher or with my child the gita is you know there you need the word of the living guru so very often that's why in tradition there is the scripture and the guru so scripture lays down general principles and there are n number of people who with the help of the gita or meditating upon the lines of the upanishad shobindo's own example is there the first verse of the ishopanishad and then the two verses that come in between 7th and 8th shobindo would meditate upon them and in the alipur jail he had realized vasudevam sarvamiti the highest experience of the veda of the yoga through those lines and the same thing with sabitri is a living mantra of transformation so both aspects are important but regarding living guru the mother said that what does a guru do guru connects us to the divine and she says that the the psychic being in human beings does exactly the same thing so if the psychic being is developed it does the same thing there is a call the aspiration awakes the moment there is aspiration means basically there is a already a link which has taken place between us and the divine so this is about uh, in in not in nutshell about this question and the third aspect is by this yoga we not only seek the infinite but we call upon the infinite to unfold himself in human life therefore the shastra offer yoga must provide for an infinite liberty in the receptive human soul a free adaptability in the manner and the type of the individual's acceptance of the universal and transcendent into himself is the right condition for the full spiritual life in man i already touched upon it that any teaching 
if it is reduced to a rigid narrow dogma for everybody it doesn't work it becomes a organized religion and it loses its meaning so the teaching lays down the broad principles but and it may apply in my life in one way to give an example that now concentration is fundamental to yoga any yoga now i may like to concentrate in a certain way sitting in a let's say on a mat kusha and uh, you know sitting with the wall uh, as my backrest and concentrate in the heart of the head now this is wonderful it works for me but supposing i start making it rigid so therefore the infinite plasticity now when people are leaning against the wall i say you don't know how to concentrate and it can go to absurd levels that you must sit on a kusha grass otherwise it's not holy or sacred you must concentrate at a fixed time now this is where teaching tends to become rigid dogmas and eventually ritualistic religion so it has to be received with an infinite plasticity because the infinite acts in total freedom the divine is not bound even by his own laws so why he will manifest to whom we have to keep that in mind and therefore shirbindu gives us the essence he actually tells us that don't uh, get into a very rigid mental analysis and turning it into a fixed form the way we try to do with everything so this is what he is uh, revealing to us here coming to the actual path so there are many passages like that and please feel free to uh, email me because you know otherwise we'll miss out on something very beautiful so it is the yoga of divine perfection or integral self perfection first of all what is perfection perfection implies three four things one is it's a roundedness and wholeness so it it is all inclusive it's not like one part you know when you read uh, uh, this beautiful line in savitri he describes the new being so what does he say in that communicant one one line just one line there are many passages like that communicant and prophet and lover and king now you see it is not one aspect normally we think with perfection that somebody who is you know deeply concentrates and finds god it's not enough in every sphere of life there must be divinity we must be flooded with utter god that's what he is telling us that you know infinite enters into us and he works with infinite uh, freedom and infinite plasticity to mold us towards perfection so perfection implies a roundedness and wholeness but because it is an infinite uh, consciousness the divine consciousness this roundedness and wholeness is not a fixed quality none of us are museum specimens that here is the perfect one so it's a constant evolving process this is the second aspect in perfection as new element comes to us the whole nature shifts so we can take an example that you know uh, when a man is alone he is uh, happy when he gets married he is happy <laughs> so but then he has to adapt to the new challenge of life it applies to both then when the child comes the happy couple have to readjust to the presence of the child now they will evolve into a new state of perfection then a second child comes so they have to i am not advocating it okay so but you know one has to evolve to a still greater level of uh, perfection so it happens like that that perfection is a constantly evolving process so in this yoga there is nothing like an end point even if one person has arrived at some degree of perfection he can never be satisfied to use a word until all around him are also evolving see that's what shirbindu and the mother whole yoga is about so second aspect third is that perfection implies unity of opposites the ego creates dualities it 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 uh, makes this or that but 
imperfection it is this and that for example we are often caught up between individuality and the collectivity one of the big challenges for human beings today is the need for individual freedom and on the other hand the need of society or the collective life so so in the divine consciousness they are beautifully harmonized so all the pair of opposites that we find in life they are beautifully harmonized even the titan and the gods are harmonized in him but of course the titans are no more a titans so they change their nature what we call as evil here is something out of place but in the divine consciousness they are harmonized take an example that you know when there is destruction uh, we generally don't like you know when people take a gun and you know start killing people and certainly it is evil but when kali kills when shiva kills you don't use the word evil you know intuitively that behind this destruction there is the heart of love there is deep compassion there is the whole wisdom acting behind so in this perfection evil what we call as evil is a tendency which is out of place in terms of time and space so there is a harmonizing of opposites in in the divine perfection the fourth aspect of perfection is that every individual quality which struggles and suffers here arrives at its divine absolute take for instance human love this world suffers because of want of love but also this world suffers because of love because you know human love is the source of so much misery and without love you can't imagine life love is everywhere so but the reason is not that love is bad the reason is we are limited beings lift this love to the degree of divine love and we will see that there will be no more suffering same with human knowledge it's a very limited bandwidth in which knowledge moves human strength so each of these qualities when it is lifted to its ultimate absolute possibility there is perfection fifth all these different qualities within us always create a conflict love versus justice or kindness and mercy versus justice but in the divine they are beautifully harmonized so each of these diverse qualities are harmonized in the in a state of perfection the within and the without the different qualities and then finally perfection implies a perfect perfection not only of the individual but of society so that answers the first question which we had already touched upon that this yoga is not meant for ourselves alone shobindo one of the places uh, yoga and subjects he starts by that he says ki this yoga is not meant for ourselves it is for the divine in humanity so the divine manifestation in humanity there is nothing like i'll become a supramental being this is egoistic it is the earth must become divine and for that my own individual perfection or at least growth in that direction is important this yoga has an individual and a collective side and both go together so it means this yoga is all inclusive it means all the manifold relations in the world must be lifted to their utmost possibility each and every movement must be uplifted to its divine possibility and practically every moment movement of human beings what we experience in a limited way which causes so much stress and suffering has its divine equivalent so this is how the whole yoga perfection proceeds take for instance wrath wrath is the absolutely anger and wrath they are so destructive but in the divine consciousness it becomes in in weakness it becomes anger and wrath but in the divine uh, state it is strength which expresses itself this no more anger and divine when krishna kills even while killing he is smiling and says udhar ho gaya tumhara so that's the state of consciousness in which wrath can be uplifted similarly with lust 
here it is wanting possessing dominating but this changes into love where there is only giving and giving and giving so many of these aspects in human life which we experience as uh, uh, you know uh, in the path of yoga obstacles can be transmuted in the divine consciousness so basically this is the whole idea of perfection or the um, journey of perfection it's not an idea not a conception and finally this perfection includes not just the perfection within there are yogis who have touched the divine perfection they had a vision of the divine and they see it's wonderful but when it comes to life when it comes to thought we are still laboring and struggling we are trying to see where to gather information from we don't know with certitude what is true what is not true though everybody has their opinions and everybody believes in their opinions but what is really true only a person who has risen to intuition and beyond in the divine gnosis can say with certitude that this is true even if the world denies it it will turn out to be true because there is another kind of knowledge which operates there similarly with the heart so this perfection would also include emotional being and this emotional beings manifold relations with human beings with animals with plants with earth with sky with gods with titans countless beings in this world it will be a new basis of relation similarly with the vital ambition for instance such a big problem for not only for oneself but for others i remember one one of uh, the very senior persons in uh, military he had a heart attack and everybody because of formality was going and you know saying are sir ye ho gaya wo ho gaya and you know giving flowers but behind the back they were saying oh bach gaya ab now you know it's a problem for us so you see what ambition can create but this ambition can change into divine service there is a possibility behind ambition that it can change into service of the divine there is nothing greater than that you know ambition is to rise great but what is greater than greatness is to be the servant of the divine this is the story of the man in the dining room carrying lot of vessels on top of his head and uh, going and somebody with over smartness said oh kuli 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 carry weight no very derogatory way so this man turned around smiled and said yes har kuli now har is capital h and har kuli is hercules the great he said har kuli yes i am kuli but i am proudly har kuli you know that's the difference hanuman hanuman had no ambition he could have easily become the king of kiskinda but he renounces it but in the bargain you forget who what kiskinda is whether there is you know who was stronger between uh, angad bali and sugriv but you remember hanuman he became the servant of the lord and that's why you know when uh, ravana catches him ravana is told don't think he is an ordinary monkey ha huh? don't make that mistake he has come as as a doot of rama and there is a big difference between that so all these things can be transmuted through the process of yoga so what is the process of yoga shorbindo gives us few very beautiful hints the synthesis is full of those things but um, and because we are approaching with the angle of synthesis so i'll just mention a few first important aspect is remember and offer this means we have to shift the basic motive of our actions it's no more that i am acting for the sake of egoistic satisfaction because i will get pleasure i'll get name i'll get money so this is one advantage of joining the ashram because money you don't get and uh, um, you know there is nothing like an annual confidential report in fact you may be doing very good work but somebody may say you are not good so it gives a wonderful opportunity to master the ego huh 
so this is the whole way it is organized in such a way that we no more work for these motives so the motive must shift the first thing is to shift the motive of life from egoistic satisfaction and enjoyment of pleasure for personally for comforts etc to service of the divine the moment this shift takes place then what we have to do to remind ourselves because it may we may delude ourselves that yes i am doing divine service but all the time my eyes on that chair where the old man or the old lady is sitting when they will vacate and i will sit in that place so lest we forget remember and offer so the mantra shobindra gives is remember and offer and the mother insists on this even if this one single practice we can do we will be way 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 beyond right up to the doors and further but how do we remember whom do we remember so it's easy to say divine is within and divine is all but how do we you know the divine needs something more concrete tangible there are few who can focus on the divine as just as a presence so people have device image the sound which is the mantra the form the image of the form so this is how we take up any form now for us of course is form of the divine mother any mantra any word which can connect us the mother would often connect with uh, the divine by saying my lord you know we have this habit in in india in old times it was jay ram ji ki so it was a way of connecting doesn't matter what name but for our purposes now as i said synthesis is 1914 to 1921 it is ma just to remember ma doesn't matter before the beginning of any activities at the end of every activity in between every activity when somebody comes and praises you ma 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 please save me when somebody comes and criticizes you ma 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 thank you so much so, so remember and offer that's the most important aspect of the practice the second is uh, the law of sacrifice so what is the law of sacrifice it's an extension of the same thing now first of all to what extent this remember and offer can go this is a process of consecration right even our bath our dressing up our um, passing urine everything can be part of that offering shobindra makes it clear even a breath heartbeat so you know while walking one can offer the breath to the divine so it can go to any extent our sleep our waking our having our getting our giving a friendship relation everything so it can uh, you know go to any extent because this is the integral yoga and uh, i can tell you it can be pretty you know we are used to shutting god inside a cupboard and saying please stay there don't come out into my life because in my life i'll do what i feel like then i'll come and say please help me in all my misdeeds catch the ear and say now please but this god doesn't stay in the cupboard he breaks open comes and walks with us even in the bedroom he is there so mind you that he is there all the time with us to live with this constant sense of the eternal in our life is the most wonderful thing all this loneliness aloneness all gets dissolved because one lives with this sense of the eternal all the time in one's life so this comes with practice then the purification is the most important aspect of yoga what do we understand by purity normally ascetic purity who is the pure person who is wearing a gherwa particularly if it is khadi rather than silk and he is you know all the time sitting uh, what is it he is the eating once or once once in a day eating mixing up khichdi and you know karela and rasgulla he is a great tyagi he is aggrandizing his ego don't forget ha huh? he is very happy when people come and say oh what a tyagi you are you have abandoned even your dress 
विदाउट बॉदरिंग अबाउट वॉट अदर्स आर गोइंग टू थिंक अबाउट यू थोड़ा तो उनका भी सोचना चाहिए नहीं सो दिस इज रिकॉर्डेड एज ग्रेट साइन एंकोराइट बेड ऑफ नेल्स वॉट इज वॉट इज वी टर्न योगा इन टू यू गो एंड टेक अवे योर हेयर्स एंड पुट इट एट द लॉर्ड स्वीट एंड यू से दैट आई हैव सेक्रीफाइस माई हेयर एवरी मंथ यू आर डूइंग इट एनी वेज सो दिस इज नॉट सेक्रीफाइस दिस नॉट द सेंस सेक्रीफाइस इज नॉट सेल्फ इमोलेशन Sacrifice is self ennoblement. Sacrifice is divinizing a faculty of nature. Sacrifice is purificatory ritual of everything. Sacrifice is refinement and sublimation. Take a simple thing: speech. You'll see ascetics sitting with all this, uh, Gero and all that. Just go and tell them, "Ikya nonsense." See how he'll react. What kind of don't don't ever try? Huh? They are very uh, not very pleasant fellows. but you know the entire thing will come out the speech simple thing like purification refinement of speech we don't know how to speak to each other when to keep silent and when to speak and to speak how you know we can't always speak the truth but to remain silent because it may not be understood by everyone so just to practice speech the refinement of speech the upliftment of speech all these manifold you know it's to turn from this uh, doing things for the sake of the ego to doing things for the sake of the divine say for example you know people live in family so how are we going to do purification in a family because you know either typical ascetic yoga is leave everybody and come away to the mountains so then what happens you don't do yoga you have done a very selfish act but others are doing yoga because poor fellows are you know striving and uh, working hard to maintain now what really it means is that not to think that wife or husband is for me for my pleasure for my joy they are there as the divine has put these people in our life as a trust you are a trustee imagine the divine comes and gives to the hand of somebody and says take care this fellow is mine you are also mine this is also mine how will you treat this person will you be harsh will you be uh, you know um i don't know what people do but anyways so will we be really harsh to anybody will we use words foul words abusive words somebody divine has come and handed over child the divine has handed over will we hit a child if the divine comes and says this is my child which means prahlad so what we will do we'll keep him like a beautiful flower and offering which has been given if he is meant to fight a war we'll train him in the arts and science of uh, you know um, uh, fighting arms but we'll not mistreat ill treat so this is what is purification about so this is the another process in yoga uh, in this yoga and also in the yoga of the gita many things are there as part of that third is because in this yoga work is important this is not a yoga of meditation or bhakti alone they are part of it but work is indispensable meditation is dispensable but work is indispensable in this yoga there are people to whom shirbindo said you don't need meditation but work is everybody when people would ask the mother mother give us some mantra somebody wrote to shirbindo i am coming to ashram i want to get initiated i want a mantra from the mother and shrivindo's reply is the mother does not give mantra she gives work so work is important and if work has to be done as part of sadhana 
then the important practice is equanimity. We cannot do work without equanimity. Equanimity means now my motive has shifted. It's no more ego. So the ego will be challenged. We have to work sometimes in uh, rain, sometimes in sunshine, sometimes in uh, cold weather, sometimes bare feet, sometimes with shoes, all kinds of situations. Work also means, equanimity also means, somebody will say that, you know, this work is very good. Somebody may not like it. So like, dislike, pleasure, pain, success, failure, name or uh, these things, prestige, it's not for this. So equanimity is the practice through which we arrive at a state of being wherein we are not affected by the reactions and judgments and criticisms and praise of people who are around us. Because this work is done as an offering to the divine and it's the divine who will know it. And the divine doesn't judge. He doesn't say good guy, bad guy. What he does is he sees, he smiles. Wherever there are defects, he pours his light to correct it. That's how he operates. His operating system is like that. He doesn't have criticism fed in his operating system. So this is how equanimity is important. Then another important element, indispensable, I have already spoken about concentration, is renunciation. So what does renunciation means in this yoga? Renunciation is not something outward. It's renunciation again of the ego self and the desire, sting of desire. Does it mean that if I eat food, I will say, it doesn't matter, I have renounced my desire of the palate. No, renunciation and equanimity doesn't mean blurring of distinctions. That is a foolish state. We know what is what, but we are not attached and craving. Most important is craving for it. We are not restless. What does desire do? Desire makes us impatient, restless, brings in craving, excitement. So it creates an imbalance in the system. And it's opposite also it brings. Because the more restless, the more excited you are about having something, you'll see that if you have it, very soon the thrill will subside and you'll go into uh, depression because you realize that it's not something which gives you so much joy. Or else... If you don't get it, you feel, oh, I missed out on something so beautiful. So, I often give this example of the three people in the, you know, who were depressed. Let me not say where. So, somebody goes to see this place and one person is crying, Usha, 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 oh my Usha. So, he says, why are you thinking of Usha so much? Oh, I wanted to marry Usha, but you know, my misfortune, I couldn't marry her, so I am very depressed. So he says, yes, yes, it happens. You'll get over it. Then goes to another person and he is also saying, Usha, Usha, Usha. What happened to you? Usha dished you also? No, no, I got married to Usha and I am depressed. And there is the third person who is saying Usha. He says, what's your problem? He says, I don't know who Usha is. So why are you saying and feeling depressed? No, these two people are saying Usha and feeling depressed. So I think Usha is somebody highly desirable. I made an image of Usha in my mind. And therefore I am suffering because I can't find my Usha. So you see, uh, sorry I am not being feminist or you know, uh, <laughs> I mean that it's a wrong example. You could put it instead of Usha, you could say, uh, you know, uh, Hare Rama or something. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> the point is that we live in this desire makes us restless. It gives us an idea that true joy lies inside. Desire gives us an impression that by getting something I will be happy. But delight is the nature of existence. Everything in this earth breathes of delight. 
Why don't we get it? Because we are small, narrow, conditioned. We believe by having it. And who conditions us? Unfortunately, parents. Unfortunately, teachers. Unfortunately, society. By the time we have grown up, they have injected into us. First vial of ambition. You will be happy only if you do this job. Then society, then the teachers. Only if you get 99.999%. Then society, only if you are, you know, your card can show all these qualifications, then you will be happy. Children, when they are born, what do they need to be happy? Very little. So, all this is an aspect of this process. Renunciation is to renounce the sting of desire, to renounce the sting of ego, rather than renounce things outwardly. We may renounce them outwardly, but the mind may continue to dwell upon the object. And this is what is called as mithyachar. That's what Sri Krishna tells Arjuna. You are being a mithyachari. He says, sir... Please don't tell me like this. He said, oh, you are a Kshatriya. You are going to, you know, feel very bad when the war starts and you are not there. You are a Kshatriya. It's a sudharm to protect the weak. Fight. You will die or you will live. If you die, you will fall nobly. If you conquer, conquer mightily. That's your dharma. That is the will of the Lord inside you. So this was the greatness of the ancient civilization. Shubindu puts it, restores it to the pristine purity. How different from yoga as a process, a technique, sitting bolt straight with a particular limited mantra. He has put yoga on a very wide uh, canvas of life. So this is uh, these are some of the basic practices. Then, Shubhinda uses the word perfection in a very interesting way. Now, the mother has, uh, you know, he uses it in synthesis about this human perfection, the mundane perfection and the uh, divine perfection. So what is the mundane perfection? We have an idea of life. For each species, there is a kind of perfection. So, a snake, the perfection is it can strike swiftly or or for a tiger, the perfection is the tiger can leap swiftly and for the deer, the perfection is it can run swiftly and escape the tiger. Now, if the tiger is lame, we say, oh, poor tiger. Or if the deer cannot run fast, we say that poor deer. So, because for each species, there is a perfection. So, for human beings also, there is a idea of perfection which we carry and this idea of human perfection is a moral or religious perfection which means certain qualities we put in the check list tick 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 over he is a perfect human being but that's not what is meant by divine perfection divine perfection is human qualities transmuted by the touch of the divine so we must develop these qualities no doubt for a full perfection and the typical example is that supposing between this uh, higher and lower perfection, supposing there is a person who learns music and he learns it straight from Shiva, but when he has to play it, he can't play because his voice gets choked or because, you know, he, uh, you know, he, the instrument that is given to him is not proper. So in this yoga, the instrumental personality cannot be neglected. That's why you will see so much stress on physical education. Because if the instrumental personality, which is the basis of everything, if the brain is weak and the light descends, what will happen? Shubhinda said very humorously that sometimes it happens that people don't know whether they are becoming intelligently stupid or stupidly intelligent. Now keep trying to figure out what does it mean. (laughs) But it is like this because when the silence descends, people say, I want silence, I want silence. 
But very often people think that they have grown stupid because the silence is too vast for them. When infinity enters, we can lose all measures. If the brain is not strong, how does the brain become strong? By studying, by variety of subjects. That's why the importance of all these things. The second aspect is even our emotional being. That's why emotions have to go through so many churnings and, you know, failures, falls, approximations. Why? Because the emotional being becomes strong. This yoga is not for the weak. And the same with the body and the vital energy. Now in this process, Shobhita says that how to raise them to higher and higher levels. He says that at each level from, you know, right now we operate within largely the mind which is and the life force tied to the body. Now by simply liberating the life energy from the body, we can achieve a lot. Even healing can take place. Liberating the mind from the grip of the body. To take an example, when the mind is in the grip of the body, the mind says, Oh, I have got corona, I am going to die. Why? Because it's a suggestion and the mind has accepted it. When the mind is freed from the body, it says, I am greater than the disease. And it puts its will for recovery. Whereas the mind which is bound to the body says, No, I cannot. Why? Because, you know, doctors have diagnosed me. What can I do? I am a miserable fellow. I have got heart disease and then people take great vicious perverse interest. You know, I have triple vessel disease. So the other person will say, oh, I have five vessels as if it's a great greatness. More the vessel, the merrier it is. So this is where our mind can be either at the mercy of the physical consciousness or it can be freed from its clutch. It comes through yoga. So when we release the vital energy and the physical and the mental energy from the grip of matter, then we begin to see that there are greater possibilities of action upon the physical. This release of the life energy and the mind energy from the limited physical consciousness in which they are trapped and they are entering into wider and wider domains. This is what is the universal being. That You know that question. This is reclaiming our universality. But beyond the universal is the transcendent. He or she who exceeds all formulas, who cannot be tied or bound into anything, that illimitable spirit, that power, that is the transcendent. So first, we reclaim the universality. It is not like we have to try something. It happens because of the touch of the transcendent. She liberates, the divine Shakti liberates us. So the only process in this yoga, the only thing required is to prepare the Aadhaar for the descent of the divine Shakti. And for that, the most important element of faith and will and a constant remembrance. So, toward the uh, end, I would like to read this beautiful passage. This comes toward the end in the synthesis of yoga. There are three chapters on the divine Shakti. The divine Shakti, action of the divine Shakti and faith in the divine Shakti. How the divine Shakti begins to operate by faith and the importance of faith and of will. These are two on the first day also we spoke about Shobindu saying in the synthesis, whatever a man has faith in, whatever his will has taken and persist in it as the idea that it ends up becoming. All the obstacles notwithstanding, thousand million obstacles, it may take lives, doesn't matter. But the faith and the will are the most important elements of this yoga. So Shobindu in the synthesis the power of the divine universal Shakti which is behind our aspiration is illimitable. 
Of course, this is synthesis of yoga. Later on, he would say the mother because she is an embodiment of the transcendent and the universal. So this is something where we must understand that the context of the synthesis is 1914 to 1921 before the mother finally took charge of the yoga. In 20, she had come, but the charge was taken in the yo- of the yoga in 26. After that, when Shrivindu was asked to revise the synthesis, you know what did he say? You want me to come down to that level? Why? Because then all the letters after that are turned to the mother, open to the mother, open to her influence. Is the divine mother who will uh, do the change? Because it is she who does the change. So here, uh, but in here he is speaking of the universal shakti. So the power of the divine universal shakti, and when it is rightly called upon, it cannot fail to pour itself into us. What is right calling with faith and patience? with peace in the heart not with oh i am calling the mother then after 2 minutes you see the my time and say that she should come immediately then again you maybe she takes a little longer you know she has to come from the transcendent no she is right here she has already started working the moment we have called the link has been established now give her the way the way she will act how she will act leave it to her so that's what it means now or later it cannot fail to pour itself into us and to remove whatever incapacity and obstacle now or later for the times and durations of our struggle while they depend at first instrumentally and in part on the strength of our faith and our endeavor are yet eventually in the hands of the wisely determining secret spirit eventually they are always in the hands of the divine mother Though it will look like you know it depend upon us, and while it's okay, we must do some self-enabling sadhana. Wisely determining secret spirit alone, the master of the yoga, the Ishvara, the faith in the divine Shakti must be always at the back of our strength, and when she becomes manifest, it must be or grow implicit and complete. Now comes another mahavakya. It should be inscribed inside our hearts. <laughs> in letters of gold or diamond there is nothing that is impossible to her who is the conscious power and universal goddess all creative from eternity and armed with the spirit's omnipotence so we should never say ma i am a impossible case we should say ma whether possible or impossible for you what is impossible that's why one of the terms shivinda uses about the divine mother especially in a kali form aghatan ghatan patiyasi so what she can aghatan which is impossible to happen ghatan makes it possible she who can make the impossible happen she can make the lame walk and the dumb speak and the blind see this is literally true so she can do it and what is needed is faith and faith and faith so this should be at the back and then he goes on further that what is this faith that is needed in this yoga there is one kind of faith demanded as indispensable by the integral yoga and that may be described as faith in god and the shakti well we may say faith in shivinda and tapada <laughs> make it simple okay because then people ask which god where god So faith in God and His Shakti, faith 
in the presence and power of the divine in us and the world a faith that all in the world is the working of one divine shakti that all the steps of the yoga its strivings and sufferings and failures as well as its successes and satisfactions and victories are utilities and necessities of her workings she uses all this as a material for progress oh see how much i can meditate you know i can meditate for 3 hours there is no i that meditates if there is still a i that meditates then it is not meditation but an ego there is no i that meditates <laughs> so he says so beautifully that you know all these are steps of the workings and that by a firm and strong dependence on and a total self surrender to the divine and to his shakti in us we can attain to oneness and freedom and victory and perfection so there comes the yoga of divine love is the crowning movement of this yoga this yoga begins with surrender moves with surrender ends with surrender shubhendra at one place says surrender to the divine and infinite mother is our one means so what is that love that should bhakti that shubhendra speaks of here all relations all emotions must turn towards her तमेव माता चपिता तमेव तमेव बंधु चसखा तमेव तमेव सर्व मम देव देव वट डज इट मीन दे आर टू वेज ऑफ लुकिंग एट इट वन इज यू आर एवरीथिंग फॉर मी सो ऑल दीज रिलेशन हैव ए वैल्यू फॉर अस वी रिसीव सर्टन थिंग्स फ्रॉम ईच रिलेशन केयर एंड फोस्टरिंग द मदर नरिशेज द फादर प्रोटेक्ट अस डिफेंस अस नचर्स अर Uh, the the lover or the beloved or the wife she cares for us in another way or the husband he is supposed to care in another way the child gives us joy so there are many kind of relationships the teacher gives us light now for all this we turn to her so what do we do with the normal relations of life should we abandon them no now start dealing with people with that divine influx inside be If you are a father, be a father as the divine is father with infinite patience. If you are a mother, be a mother as the divine is mother with infinite love. If you are a lover, be a lover as the divine is lover. Chases you through centuries and lives, doesn't leave you. That story of you know that poem of uh, Francis Thomas, the Hound of Heaven. He will find you. he will never abandon loving you he will always love till you know even if people are cross he continues to love that is the kind of love so all these relations we should bring in we should depend for everything on the divine mother and nobody else but for giving we should give freely whatever love we are receiving from her we give into this world so this is the shift that takes place in this yoga not wanting but giving and this love is not for anything wanting anything else love is a self existent flame of truth of light and its only joy is giving itself there is no other devotion all other devotions are egoistic if i am giving my hairs what will i get o lord income tax exemption no when we give give freely give largely without calculation shubhendra says those who give to the divine with the view of asking something he gives them what they ask but those who give themselves without any calculation or bargaining the divine gives them all that they need and he gives himself what more would you want to all the time walk with the divine when he is there with us 
what would we need he is the raj rajeshwar even in with a begging ball you know that before you have stressed out to somebody and said i need this he knows because he is walking with us he has arranged it somewhere through someone who will come and give you what you need because that's how the divine operates he will never let us ask anything from every anyone if we depend on him for all our needs so this is the kind of relation we have to develop this is love which gives itself and what it seeks intensity of union and eternity of union so intensity of union doesn't last in an unchanged vital eternity impossible for human beings but it is only the divine who can fulfill these two conditions so the divine love love for the divine is in this yoga the crowning thing movement our faith must first be abiding in the essential truth and principle of the yoga and even if this is clouded in the intellect despondent in the heart outwearied and exhausted by constant denial and failure in the desire of the vital mind there must be something in the innermost soul which clings and returns to it otherwise we may fall on the path this is the fall on the path fall on the path is not doing this not doing that is the fall of faith the sustaining power of yoga fall of will even pin to the ground one must say i will rise and shine because the divine is there with me this if we keep it through all falls and failures and successes we'll move toward the light look at shubhendu's own example after having this experience of vasudevam sarvamiti when he writes semi humorously a letter to his own sister i think yes or somebody else he says well i know the divine will provide because they didn't have money for the next meal but it would come last minute he says i know the divine will provide but he has contracted a bad habit of giving at the last moment he didn't say what kind of divine after all these experiences this is called faith in the yoga his own example the mother's own example otherwise we may fall on the path or abandon it from weakness and inability to bear temporary defeat disappointment they come to everybody so to think that you know people just yoga is like a straight line doesn't happen it's a sine curve wave like movement that's how even the vedic rishis described is climb a hill come down climb another hill come down climb a third hill that's how the process is because everything has to be included in the yoga in savitri page 34 35 it describes it very beautifully that what happens when we come down and then climb up each time we go through a test and a difficulty a challenge which seems impossible and come out of it we have taken one great stride so this is the beauty of this yoga it proceeds like that so those who are afraid of uh, defeat and want always success uh, well be with life it will teach us then enter the yoga disappointment difficulty and peril in the yoga as in life it is the man who persists unwearied to the last in the face of every defeat and disillusionment and of all confronting hostile and contradicting events and powers who conquers in the end and finds his faith justified because to the soul and shakti in man nothing is impossible this is the perfect story of prithviraj chauhan and who was that fellow tamur langar whoever better forget the name but 17 times he was pushed back and this fellow didn't give up he came ultimately captured the king and made him blind but prithviraj chauhan also didn't give up 
Look at the faith of a man. He says, okay, you have deceived me, stabbed me on the back, but I have also not given up. So he knows that he is going to, he can shoot arrows blindfolded. Now he is already blind. He says, let's have some amusement. Makes him sit on it with bow and arrow and says, the gong will sound, shoot at the gong. He says, okay, but I want my poet to be by my side. He has been my friend always. So he encourages me. He said, okay, okay, take the poet. Poet is who? Chandvardai. Nobody knows whether he is a historical figure or not, but the story is very inspiring. So Chandvardai knows without words what the king wants to know. And the sultan is sitting right there. It's all amusement which is taking place. And Chandvardai knows where the sultan is sitting because he can see. And he tells the king, Char baas, chobis gaj, angul ast praman, tau par sultan hai, machu ko chohan. And the gong sounds this way and the arrow whizzes and you know, pierces to the heart of the uh, conqueror and the conqueror is vanquished. So till the last moment, we don't know, till the last breath we can realize the divine. People who give up in life, how can they go through yoga? That's why when people came to yoga saying, you know, life is full of disappointment, illusions, I want to take up yoga. <laughs> she would say, no, 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 you're not ready. Those who cannot face the challenges of ordinary life, how will they face the much greater challenges of yoga? So one, you see, this is the Aryan civilization. This is the spirit of India, the indomitable spirit. That's why it has remained unconquered till date. Though conquered, yet it remained unvanquished. Look at all over the world, all ancient civilizations wiped out. But India remains indomitable. Hundreds of years of different foreign rules. Why? Because this is the spirit that our ancients have cultivated. And Shobindo, as in one way we can say, is the most finest flower, the last avatar, who brings to us this wisdom that do not give up. In the end, he finds his faith justifiable. And even a blind and ignorant faith is a better position than the skeptical doubt which turns its back on our spiritual possibilities or the constant carping of the narrow, pettily, critical, uncreative intellect. What a marvelous prose writing this is. Asuya, which pursues our endeavor with a paralyzing incertitude. Will I, won't I, should I, should I not? <laughs> Plunge, you will drown or swim or afloat. <laughs> That's how yoga is. He says there comes a time when you hang with nothing else but faith as the thread. And finally, there will very possibly be many of those trying obscurations of which even the Vedic rishis so often complained. Long exiles from the light and these may be so thick, the night on the soul may be so black that faith may seem utterly to have left us. But through it all the spirit within will be keeping its unseen hold and the soul will return with a new strength which and to its assurance which was only eclipsed and not extinguished. And then what it will discover? The divine holds our hand through all. And if he seems to let us fall, it is only to raise us higher. I'm just reading, it's like tonic. People ask for vitamins. Huh? Please take this vitamin. <laughs> Even a little of it. Svalpamasya dharmasya trayato bhayato mahat. And at the end, yes, We can, you know, stop here because at the end it is all about the four aspects of the Divine Mother which he describes very beautifully in the synthesis of yoga. Then he has not yet 
installed the mother and has not described her four aspect in detail but here he describes and just i'll read just one or two sentences she is maheshwari goddess of the supreme knowledge and brings to us her vision for all kinds and widenesses of truth her rectitude of the spiritual will the calm and passion of her supramental largeness her felicity of illumination she is mahakali goddess of the supreme strength and with her are all mights and spiritual force and severest austerity of tapas and swiftness to the battle and the victory and the laughter attahas that makes light of defeat and death and the powers of the ignorance she is mahalakshmi the goddess of the supreme love and delight and her gifts are the spirit's grace and the charm and beauty of the ananda and protection and every divine and human blessing she is mahasaraswati the goddess of divine skill and of the works of the spirit and hers is the yoga that is still skill in works yogaha karmasu kaushalam and the utilities of divine knowledge and the self application of the spirit to life and the happiness of its harmonies so in the end ultimately it is the grand surrender of all that we are and all that we were and all that we yet shall be to the divine mother which carries the secret of this yoga a line from savitri or a few lines one is a vast surrender was his only strength and then this light comes not by struggle or by thought not about processes methods techniques infinite it doesn't come like that this light comes not by struggle or by thought in the mind silence the transcendent acts in the hushed heart hears the unuttered word a power that lives upon the heights must act and fill the life's closed room with the infinite's air this is what is important necessary to open to her in any which way and in every way in all actions every time in every activity success defeat failures they are all passing things they will come and go but the aspiration will faith they must be kept studied because they are the ones in the end that lead us to the victory aided by the grace or the grace aided by the human aspiration and faith namaste thank you so um, if there are any questions we have 5 minutes yes exactly if we do surrender with the idea that my needs will be taken care of then it's no more surrender surrender is when we give and we have the faith it is not by you know this will be given or that will be given and this faith as i said shorbindo's own classic example there will be trying times but that's where the faith and these trying times is so that the faith can grow stronger and return victoriously so if we have in mind that you know if i surrender i will get my needs so that's why the real surrender is the core of surrender is divine is with me she knows what i need and she will take care of everything now it is something which is aided by faith not by the binds uh, uh, intellectual you know analysis it is a movement of the heart not a movement of thought and so we have to surrender with this uh, is the sankalp of surrender that now my destiny is yours 
and my will is yours. Surrender means that from today onwards, my will, it starts with, I offer whatever I am, little this being, limited being, into your hands. Then it proceeds by constantly trying to reattune these things. So there is an effort in that. That now I have surrendered to the Divine Mother. How can I give these things to the inferior power? How can I allow my mind to be used by all kinds of ignorant doubts and skepticism? How can I allow my heart to be used by all kinds of attachment? How can I allow my life to be used by all the lower forces? How can my body, my speech, my movements be used by all the inferior energies? So surrender, the next step is that now I must in detail turn them toward the divine. Shift their motive which means to become conscious and to apply it through remembering and offering in every detail of life. And as a crown of it, eventually it will be like all of my being is yours. Do with me what you want. And then when it happens as the crown, because we have given ourselves to the divine with no other motive but the joy of belonging to the divine. So surrender is never done with the idea that my needs will be taken care of. May not be, doesn't matter. I'm, it, they will be, but it's not done with, you know, with this idea as Bulesha says so beautifully in one of his poems. He says, Teri talwar ke niche mein karke thaiya thaiya. You are cutting me to pieces and I'm dancing before you with joy and each drop of blood is saying, Oh, thou art great. This is the spirit of surrender. And in that state, whatever may happen to us, even if it seems catastrophic to the world side, doesn't matter. The divine will take care of us through everything. So this is the spirit of surrender. It cannot be done with this idea that, oh, what about my needs? Then better to wait. If there is any hesitation in the mind, we should go through the normal process and slowly remember, offer, consecrate. As I said, try to tune the life to the divine will and move to a point where a moment will come. When we, you know, it's like you see a, you know, when people uh, make friends, so they get to know a little bit, they see a photograph, they come in contact, then a time comes when they meet, they decide that, okay, now this is my friend and they then give themselves. So this is how the process goes. It doesn't happen in one day, it's an evolution of a process. But it should start with a central surrender that now my life, my destiny and my yoga is in your hands. Which means not turning away because things become difficult uh, or results do not come. So all this will be tested and tried and then a grand culmination is I am yours. Initially it is my life, my destiny, my yoga is yours. But in the end I am yours. Do with me. Tumhara bandar tum na chao. So that's how it should go. Yeah. Thank you so much. Please feel free to email if there are any questions because obviously constraints of time is there. So everything cannot be answered. And it, it is, I know, it's a vast subject. So please feel free to connect over email. Thank you. Okay. Namaste.